So on the count of three, uh, let's all say our favorite flavor of potato chip. Or not potato oh chip, but oh. just, just chip in general. Chip in general? Okay. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, three. Red Hot Blues. Salt and vinegar. Sour cream and onion. You guys really suck at Shamus, saying it like, at the same time. Five. Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, I want to hear what you guys said. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Into the Echo. <laughs> um, I, I'm joined today by my friend Riley. Hey, Riley. Hey, Clark. How's it going? It's going great, man. And we have a very special guest today, uh, Seamus McCullough. Hey, buddy. Hello, hello. That's uh, very high honors. Thank you very much. Well, it's a very special guest. I, I mean it. So, um, what album were we talking about today, Riley? We are going over Gorilla's Demon Days, which is precisely why we brought Seamus on the show today, because he's kind of our, uh, he's got Demon Days pretty high up there on his list of all-time favorite albums, and has listened to it more or just as much as the rest of us, so um, I feel like we've got a little bit of expertise on our side. Is, um, this, is this true, Seamus? I do. I uh, I would say I'm a fan. You'd probably classify me as such. Uh, it is, uh, like Riley said, pretty high up on my, my all-time album list. Uh, like top number, five? Yeah, yeah. Number three, I think, if I were to put it in an exact location. Holy um, crap. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my, It's like Riley said, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I think it's one of those ones where you don't start at a song in the middle. You start at the beginning and you just work your way through the whole thing. Uh, and you take it as a... A piece of art as the whole, rather than uh, broken up into pieces, uh, and I think that's because it's a, a great concept album. Uh, or at least I would argue it's a concept album, uh, in that all the songs kind of are are joined either by a you know musical bridge like at the end, or just by you know overall topic and subject matter. Um, yeah, so it's one of my favorite albums. I've listened to it a fair amount of times. Uh, don't know if I'm an expert on the thing, but I I feel I can talk about it at length that's great we're looking forward to the insights you can add um so before we start talking about the album let's talk about uh what we're drinking <clears throat> which got really <laughs> um i am back to so funny story this this leads into another story just real quick <laughs> um this is actually the second time around on this episode isn't it <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about that and, huh? <laughs> and uh <laughs> i don't want to point fingers but last time Everything was going well, like two and a half hours in to recording, and then uh, and then Clark found a button to push that deletes the entire recording. Yeah, and, it turns uh, out there's a uh, pretend this never happened button somewhere on mm -hmm. my recording software, which says uh, stop the recording, delete the recording, and then deny that ever happened. <clears throat> and I don't know what the button is, but I found it. So this is take two. Um, so oh, this is going to be super polished, guys. We're going to wrap this yeah, up yeah. in like an hour flat. Yeah, <laughs> tops. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, but I, I bring that up because I'm drinking the exact same thing. Um, I got some two-town cider. It's the Ginger Ninja. So it's uh, it's got a little kick to it. It's nice. Ginger Ninja. Uh-huh. And, uh -huh. and it's amazing. healthy and, and gluten-free because I'm all about that, you know? Does it have probiotics? <laughs> yes. It's also fair trade, organic. Wow, sounds like no apples were harmed. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Seamus? I am. Uh, I'm drinking the Juice Double IPA. Um, this is for Madison River Brewing uh, Company. It's a 
brewery here in Montana. Uh, I didn't realize it was a double IPA until I cracked into it and decided to actually look at the label. <laughs> and so it's a it's a nine percenter. Um, so it's gonna be a race against time between <laughs> me being coherent and this podcast finishing. So that should be that's, interesting. That's how we, we just... prefer our podcast. Is just a race against time. <laughs> we just had to do the fifteen track album with yeah, right. drinking at nine percent. The only person who knows the album back to back. So yeah, this is just going to be a half hour long of Seamus just breaking down every song as quickly as he can before he loses <laughs> yeah. consciousness. Good stuff. Uh, well, I am also <laughs> drinking something from the Madison River Brewing Company. Like a Whoa! I am drinking the classic Salmon Fly Honey Rye. Oh, See, I thought about getting that. That's what old. I was doing last week. Yeah, that's... And then I, I switched it up. Dude, it's my favorite, like bar none, <clears throat> of, the, of that company. So... Let's get to talking about the album. Uh, sure, yeah. I suppose that's the logical thing to do here. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <clears throat> so, uh, Demon Days is a song by the Gorillas, or sorry, an album by the Gorillas. That's Gorillas with a Z. It was released in May of 2015 under Electronic Music Industries, which uh, is let's, now... It's, let's just subtract 10 years from that. Let's go with 2005, and that's probably more accurate. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's what I have right in front of me. Is that not what I said? <laughs> you what's said the... 2015. Oh, crap. What's the percentage on my beer? Not very high. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so it was released in May of 2005. Uh huh, <laughs> that's more accurate. It is a virtual band. Uh, Seamus, what does that mean? So, virtual band. Uh, Gorillaz is a little bit unique this way, and I can't think of any other bands off the top of my head that kind of has. The same setup that Gorillaz does. So aside from Tupac hologram, yes, yes, of course. Uh, aside from that, uh, so Gorillaz uh, is kind of headed up by two guys: Damon Albarn, he's the uh, the musical creative genius, uh, and Jamie Hewlett, um, and he does the other side of the band, the uh, the virtual side, like Clark was saying. And what that means is. Uh, Jamie Hewlett has, and I think probably you know Damon has input here too, but they've built this kind of whole background saga behind all the albums and songs um following the adventures of these four gorillas uh those gorillas being 2d noodle uh clark help me out what are the other two names <laughs> murdoch nichols is the bassist and, yeah uh, russell hobbs is the drummer and they're not actual gorillas like the animal that's just kind of the name yes. of their like group they're human beings that live i guess somewhere in the uk uh, but they yes, also live in like yeah. a slightly altered fictional universe where it's not necessarily in the future, but it feels like it, it's like a steampunk parallel to the to the present. Yeah, yeah, and they're they they all have their own unique caricatures, and they show up on every album in their own role. And it's a very strange it's strange knowing that only two people are behind the whole thing, but it's fabricated to make you think it's a full band. Um, so it's yeah, it's. A unique experience with every album that you listen to from them so they well they have this entire mythology built around behind the albums um and this is an area where i'm weak on because i've never really you know gotten into that um it just hasn't really been something i'm interested in doesn't mean you know no one else is i, I think it's phenomenal that they have this um but they also bring this persona on when they do live touring so damon alburn is kind of uh, enshrouded um, back in the shadows behind it. You never really see him up front singing. Instead, they have this pretty large screen um, or pretty cool visuals um, 
and they'll bring in for the band like an entire orchestra pit a choir um whoever they're collaborating with will oftentimes um, come in for the song um so for example sean Ryder on dare we'll talk about later because it's <laughs> hysterical super looking forward to that it's, it's fantastic um so yeah uh it's it's interesting in that the frontman damon um really isn't that well known in terms of if you saw him on the street chances are you probably wouldn't recognize him just because he he kind of uh hangs out in the shadows and i think that's the way he likes it um yeah and for those who don't know he was also part of the band blur um the woohoo song song number two from the 90s uh, beyond that i don't know any of their other songs but maybe Clark no, i don't think anyone else that. does either yeah. no no i know that they just put out a new album and they're <clears throat> touring again Whoa. yeah they put on one Blur is? recently yeah they're either really? working on oh. it or it just came out i'm not entirely sure which uh yeah so damon albert is the uh, main um driving force behind the band and he's the one who tends to rope in collaborators. He knows a lot of people very well connected in the industry. And so is uh, their producer of the album. His name is Danger Mouse. And for those of you not familiar with Danger Mouse, he has an incredibly long list of collaborators and things that he's done. Uh, he's well known within the hip hop community. Uh, he worked with MF Doom for The Mouse and the Mask. He also worked with CeeLo Green. He's, he's the other half of um, Gnarls Barkley. So... Anyone that you don't, anyone that's not CeeLo or anything that you hear that's actually produced for Naros Barkley, the backtracks, that's all Danger Mouse. Uh, he also did stuff for, he teamed up with someone for Broken Bells. He did Adele's 25 album. Uh, he's working with Thread Hot Chili Peppers. He did the Grey album, which was like a Jay Z black album and Beatles white album combination. So Danger Mouse, <clears throat> very, very well known, very well connected in the music industry. And he's known for having kind of this weird, like off-putting sound that's i'm not gonna say like stoner-ish i don't know really how to describe it but it's very much that um kind of weird off-putting strange instrumentation production all of his albums have a very distinctive sound that you can kind of tell that it's danger mouse behind it so right away uh with number one song number one intro we are met with what i have written down as an oboe I would disagree and say it's clarinet, but agree to disagree. Clarinet? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's just stop and talk about this song for the next hour, whether it's oboe or clarinet. I mean, there's no I, way to figure out who's right, but... I mean, I think it's clarinet. Okay. I'm, I'm going to lean towards the clarinet on this on this one. Seamus, do you play the clarinet? You know, I played it uh, back in my heyday, 7th and 8th grade, and then I stopped playing it because I... I was going to high school and I didn't want to be a nerd, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and I really regret dropping it because I was pretty good at it. I used to play the yeah. clarinet and the piano. Um, so that's why I think it is the clarinet. Though this is something we probably can do some research I, on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to give that we one to you. Yeah. Guessing what instruments <laughs> what. I knew we I knew we brought an expert in here for a special yeah, guest. <laughs> clarinet <laughs> expert. Only the finest critical analysis here. Clarinet yeah. expert. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, this song is a little bit um, strange. It starts out with uh, this clarinet playing this um, kind of meandering little melody, and then it sounds like it's it's almost like a dystopian sort of circus sound. It sounds like it would 
be it like some sort of weird circus sh- sideshow, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's not unpleasant. It's just a little bit unsettling. It's kind of like, ah, this is not a happy introduction. It's not sad. It's just weird. Yeah. Uh, well, is... then you get the first. Then you get the first lyrics, which are, "Who put the chemicals in the food chain?" you start to feel like this album is is going to be exploring some sort of um, degradation of modern society or something like that you start to get a a little dystopian feel about it yeah it gets a little political right away which is right up riley's alley Uh (laughs) i do like that i do like that i well i i like it because i think it gives albums the some albums that that make it work i think it gives them the fire that they need to be to be uh, energetic and um, I don't know. I think adding political agendas and that kind of thing can not work out a lot of the time because it distracts people from the music at hand. But I think this is done so well because it's it's mostly metaphors that are used. It's not like out, outwardly political. So anyway, I think yeah. this this song is a, a good intro. Well, it's called intro, but I think it's a good intro to the uh the rest of the album as far as how directly it deals with politics yeah it definitely sets the tone um you guys mentioned it's ominous unsettling that kind of stuff um and there's a good reason for that uh damon kind of took well, he did take the uh the whole intro from a song from dawn of the dead um which is for those who don't know a zombie movie in the 1974 i want to say um george romero fame director um and that song is part of that movie so this movie dealing about kind of the apocalypse uh zombie outbreak what have you um damon takes that and puts it as the intro of this album so you kind of get a feel of what you're going to be in for it's going to be darker um maybe not as as light as some of the other stuff he's done in the past um and it's you're just basically you're in for a ride so I think one reason that uh, gorillas can pull off a lot of the political stuff is that they're not commenting on Earth as it is in, you know, 2016. They're not really commenting on the current world. Well, they are. But what they claim to be commenting on is their own fictional universe in which they reside. So they can get away with saying certain things or they can take things to the nth degree, like saying, um, you know, there are dystopian forces taking over with, you know, entire armies and stuff like that they can talk about that and it's true for their universe but what it really is is like a parallel to our universe i don't know so it's like they can be political and they can be preachy but because they're talking about their own universe it doesn't seem as annoying to me because i'm not always a huge fan of political records where they're just trying to you know just crap on every single politician (laughs) so this kind of gives them a good out where it's like nope they're talking about their own universe they're talking about their own thing and it even says the last line in intro is he saying you are now entering the harmonic realm we are no longer in present day earth america or uk as the case may be we are now in the harmonic realm we are in the world of the gorillas so the rules are different here the sound is different here the vibe is different here we are no longer like get involved with this concept because we are about to kick into something completely different. 
Yeah, and then and then it's up to us to draw the parallels between this fictional world and our own. And you can completely leave it alone if you want and just kind of treat it as a as a totally fictional story. But uh, I think some of the parallels are too too close to to do that <laughs> to to not absolutely to our own so and we see some of those in track number two last living souls um mm-hmm. which starts out with the just the crunchiest bass guitar and then kind of the um the same chimes that would go into like tainted love from the cure and then um kind of the super crunchy bass it's really good stuff yeah, yeah this it it almost sounds I mean, this song almost sounds a little bit dated. It's got super simple electronic elements in it uh, that kind of bring it back to like the early '80s. I don't know. I feel like that would be it. Wouldn't be out of place there. And, I feel. Uh, yeah, I can see this. I, I I don't know if I agree with the the super simple electronic elements. I think it starts with that, but I also, if you listen, it kind of builds it up over time. It adds different layers, yeah. um, especially after the breakdown in the middle uh i think that's right around minute 40 or so from this like electronic sound to this kind of acoustic guitar and piano and you hear Damon sing for the first time as opposed to just kind of spoken verse um once that little that little interlude ends um comes back with a, a vengeance electronic sounding stuff does um with even more layers ended until the time of the end of the song you know it's kind of full bore stuff uh, add something to the song that it might make it you know boring otherwise i feel like yeah (laughs) it doesn't uh it doesn't feel out of place at all that that interlude i mean it's completely different from the rest of the song but it feels like it's supposed to be there no it's my favorite part of the song definitely very well crafted yeah Uh, so what do you guys take from this lyrically um i think i mean for me it's all about the i mean the title of the song i i think just the line that he repeats are we the last living souls? I think he's kind of getting at, it's almost a a call to arms for people in whichever universe you, you are applying this to, to, um, to be one of the living and to, to not buy into the latest, the latest and greatest trends of kind of forgetting what it is to be alive and, and just subscribing to some sort of um, predetermined, path in life you know i think i think he he's this is a call for action to kind of kind of be on your own and be a living soul and and provide something unique to the world and that kind of thing you know it's funny because i think probably at least 50 percent of the lyrics are literally just are we the last living souls um yeah but yeah yeah. riley's drawing this meaning out of it i'm drawing a different meaning in that i think it's more referring to you know, are we the last generation to kind of have an I- 
identity um, as we move towards, you know, these my faces and all these new fangled social media and stuff um, in terms of just being, you know, just being human as opposed to this kind of electronic human hybrid that we we're kind of moving towards with um, constantly connected by a phone or Internet, what have you. So I'm I, what I get from it, at least, uh, is are like, are we the last, you know, the last truly living human beings on this planet? Yeah. And that kind of catches my attention because this was put out in 2005. And while there were some smartphones and there were laptops, obviously, but uh, the iPhone didn't come out until 2007. And again, I know there were smartphones before that. I know. Don't email us. But (laughs) 2007 is really when the idea of having a computer in everybody's pocket kind of became reality and it became something that even if you didn't necessarily even if you couldn't afford it even if you didn't buy an iphone until three years later it was still an idea that kind of got in the back of everyone's mind where they're like well i guess it would be nice if i could just get on the internet you know and it started to become a reality but they they were writing about this in 2005 and they still saw all of the things lining up and they knew that it was coming and they knew that they were really really close to it and and the last chorus too where it just gets more and more intense where yeah he's repeating the same thing but it starts to build up and it gets more and more tumultuous towards the end of the chorus and you can just kind of feel it swelling until it reaches a peak and then it pretty much goes straight into kids with guns yeah and where we just start right back at zero with just a very simple clean baseline this time around but how oh how good is the bass on the, at the beginning of kids with guns like you can tell that this is so going to be a just a good song because it's got it's just that i mean i feel like throughout this album the bass kind of carries the the instrumentation in every song and this is i mean it's especially um evident on on this track for sure yeah and this song uh it does not have a rap verse on it but it totally could have taken a rap first because we have uh rupert i mean yeah i guess rupert playing the bass or murdoch playing the bass guitar and then we have noodle saying push it push it real push it push it real and it's it would be something really good for somebody to rap over Mm -hmm. uh, especially with like little salt and pepper reference (laughs) um but but they don't do it uh it's it's more just like a classic indie song oh this is absolutely one of my favorite songs on the album um I think one of the more interesting things about this song is that uh, none of the the lines are probably longer than two or three words. So, you know, you know kids with guns, kids with guns taking over won't be long. Um, just very staccato. Uh, and I think that's what makes it catchier, honestly, because yeah. um, it's just and, pretty easy to follow along. Yeah, and it's it's great that it's so catchy. Um, and But I think that the overall message of the song is fairly clear because... I mean, he's repeating, kids with guns taking over won't be long. They turn us, they're turning us into monsters. They're turning us into fire. Kids with guns, kids with guns, taking over. I won't be long, they mesmerize skeletons. Kids with guns, kids with guns, easy does it. I think he's commenting on the militariz- militarization of um, of kids and youth and and everybody these days. But 
it you can also you can also totally overlook that too you can also just not listen to that and and it's a super catchy light happy song i guess this is a good time to mention that um while both riley and i and i'm assuming seamus uh we own the physical cd with the little booklet but that booklet does not have lyrics at all it just has little vignettes for each song which is cool but uh nope there's there's no lyrics in the book so we are all relying on lyrics websites as much as we hate that so you know what we're gonna do right now is is just do a little social experiment we're gonna search for i'm typing it in right now we're gonna search for gorillas on az lyrics and then we're gonna scroll down to demon days and we're gonna click on last living souls here okay let's see what we got Let's see what we got. Yes, we know we're still talking about kids with guns, but trust me, it is really good. So we're just gonna we're just gonna go back to the previous song real quick and uh, on Last Living Souls and just do a little lyric interpretation here from <laughs> AZLyrics.com. So uh, in one of the verses, AZ Lyrics says that Damon is singing just a law, a new begin. That's B E G I N, a new begin. <laughs> Sing a song that doesn't sin, and it grows. Hey, you know. Now, listen for yourself and see what what you think. And <laughs> first of all, a new begin is not an English sentence or an idea. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't it doesn't work. That I don't it's know. If, I don't know how much you guys know about English, but it needs. <laughs> It needs a few more things in there for it to actually work as a sentence, as its own separate idea. Um, and then another one of my personal favorites off of uh, off of this interpretation is later on in the song, um, AZ Lyrics has Damon saying, We go to the car, I see you walk to the far. And that's mm-hmm. to the F-A-R. Uh-huh. What, what the fuck is the far? <laughs> Like how there do you, you go, how do you walk to the far? I don't know. He saw it. <laughs> he saw it and just went for it. He just walked for he it. Just went to the far, man. So that's what AZ I, lyrics. I don't understand has to... why we're so critical about this. This makes total sense. That's what AZ lyrics has to say about Demon Days. Um, <laughs> so so that's what we're working with here. Yeah. As for every single song, and so so when we get to Kids with Guns, where he's pretty much just mumbling words between rap stuff, he, we have it saying drinking out pacifier and and az lyrics has it listed as saying is she real is she is she real now i'm in the push it camp uh i'm thinking she's saying push it real as a reference to salt and pepper But are you guys falling in the is she camp? Did I? I, did I, I hear think you guys I might be that? leaning towards that direction. I'm leaning towards is she real? I, that's what it sounds like. Oh to me. man! It, <laughs> yeah, so it fits, it fits it real, better but... with the lyrics. Yeah. <sighs> well, if uh, you, the listener, want to tune in and tell us if you think they're saying is she real or push it real. Uh, you can find us and comment on it at uh, www.secretweaponproductions.com slash echo slash three. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Echopod, at Instagram, um, at Echo Podcast. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, I see an opportunity will... for our first Twitter poll. 
<laughs> sure, all three, yeah, let's do a Twitter all poll. All three of our uh, <laughs> listeners will jump right on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the... definitely look us up online and let us know: is are they saying push it real or is she real? I would love, love, love if you guys picked push it real because that is a correct answer. Let's <laughs> and... let's place a friendly wager on this. Ooh, friendly wager. Yeah. Okay. Um, I either I will get you. Hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. I'll provide you with some kind of booze, and you provide me with a gallon of honey. If... Ooh, there you go. <laughs> How about this? If I win, I can pick any album with no veto for us to do a short episode of. Oh Jesus Christ! I like it. I don't know if I'm ready to. I don't know if I'm, I'm ready talking to short episode, twenty thirty minutes, okay. and I'll do the same for you. All right, fine, done. Guys, done. so I'm putting my ears in your hands. Please, 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 check out our our twitter poll at echo pod please pick push it because i would love to subject <laughs> riley to some awesome awesome music that he can't stand and you all know you all know how adorable clark is and how much you want to watch him suffer so please pick is she real because that's obviously you had to think about that said. right <laughs> you had to think about is she real because that didn't even make sense <sighs> So, so it begins, and then we're on to O Green World. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so on to track number four, O Green World. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's what's everybody's first impression of O Green World? Uh, oh, boy, four and a half minutes of pure chaos, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, right? Probably the weirdest exactly. song on this track. Um, with the kind of out of tune guitar to start with, and then the weird. Yeah electronic noises about 30 seconds in yeah there's uh, there's hope there's hope for it to be a normal song when yeah. it's just like the first few notes but then the guitar starts getting all dissonant and weird and then you're like oh boy this is this is something new So I have uh, written down, uh, this is a funky beep boop extravaganza with a boomeranging, whoa, 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 oh. Beeps, boops, and oh, oh, oh's. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Something about a green world and don't deserve me now. Yeah, that kind of thing. Which I'm sure we could get all political about, but I do like the beep boops. Yeah, the beep boops are great, and then there is an instrument in this track that I I love what they did with it. And we'll get to it a little bit down the line, but they take an instrument and they distort it. And it is not what you expect, and I love it so much. Uh, so, I feel like this instrument <laughs> we'll is your. Then. I mean, it doesn't make much sense, but I feel like this instrument is your spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> it very well could be. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about the lyrics. Uh, in terms of like a political universe, uh, oh green world, don't desert me now. Bring me back to fallen town where someone is still alive that's according to ac lyrics of course oh god but uh that seems like it's talking about 
if not necessarily uh, global warming, it's definitely like the degradation of our planet yeah. and uh, how it's it's getting ripped apart by destructive forces. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, I mean, I think it's been scientifically proven at this point that global warming is just a theory created by the Chinese <laughs> to keep American industry down. So, um, I mean, it, this this can't be dealing with that. But I do I do believe that it's talking about uh talking about the state of our planet currently and uh or the gorilla's planet sorry i don't i don't even mean to mix realities here but um it's i feel like there's not a whole lot of lyrics in this song it's yeah what it has to say is is fairly repetitive um but i think that's that's by design on this because i think he wants it to be fairly simple to interpret and uh I think it is. So one of the lyrics that pops out to me uh, is right towards the very, very end where he says, hope, sex, and drug- drugs will rust into myself holy. It feels holy. makes you wonder is this more about him as a person just as much as this is the world around him like is this a longing for yes a, a green world in the gorillas universe but maybe it's also a song about getting back to his own purity and uh finding that part of himself before it got corrupted or before he you know before it was the hope sex and drugs rusted into his body you know hmm yeah, I I actually had no. Are you reading off of AZ lyrics? Because I, <laughs> I I had no idea that that's what it said. Uh, I'm on a I'm on genius stuff. Oh, okay, that's that's a that's a more reliable source. It's credible, right? I myself am on letssingit.com, so hey. <laughs> the lyrics are a little bit different from what you read as to what's actually on the page in front of me, but they have the same gist. So yeah, there you go. Well, I'll pull up AZ lyrics and we can get three different interpretations. <laughs> Uh, I think so. lyrics and style aside, but in terms of the vocals, um, what I really like about this song is uh, that Damon kind of uses his voice as an instrument in the background with the oh, 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 oh. And that kind of yeah, carries through the yeah. whole song. Like even when he's singing the main verses, that kind of stuff, it just kind of blends in the back with the guitar and the drums and the bass and all that good stuff. Uh, and it just ends up being another another instrument. Um, and I think it's really well mixed in this song no yeah i'm just saying it, it's really well mixed in terms of being able to hear clearly along with everything else so yeah and i think his voice as an instrument is especially apparent um right around i do not have a timestamp here but it's right around where there's this bass solo and it kind of ascends into it, it kind of swells into this bridge of sorts and this is where right you hear a distorted instrument Right around a minute, yeah. And this is where I was talking about this distorted instrument that I'm so excited about. Because right in the midst of all this chaos, with this bass solo, this ooing and aahing as an instrument, you hear a lone shaker egg being distorted (laughs) heavily, just shaking away. Like, I, it makes me so happy. And I didn't pick up on it the first, you know, 
20 listens through of this album but like now every time i listen to this album i just hear this lone little shaker egg <laughs> just in the background behind everything and it cracks me up so much it's funny because i've listened to this album i don't know how many times and i never i never picked up that that was a shaker egg uh until you brought it up well last time we tried this <laughs> um but yeah no, now that i hear it like you can't stop listening to it. it's one of those things no, like once yeah. you know something's happened you can't stop thinking no. about it whenever it once once a shaker egg enters your life it will <laughs> yeah, never exactly. leave. <laughs> it's never yeah, exactly. never leaving so on to track number five dirty harry which uh if you weren't sure if uh kids with guns was about iraq i can guarantee for a fact that dirty harry is about the war in iraq yeah and 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 they do a really interesting thing where they take the san fernandez youth chorus and they have them singing uh pretty much about kids with guns and about this whole warfare thing but it's sung by kids and it's up against this more um kind of a darker landscape in terms of sound Yeah, it's I I kind of really like how he uses the like the kids chorus sound and I, I feel like it comes in a couple times in this album, but this is the first time it's fairly prominent. Um, but yeah, it provides a nice um, contrast to the lyrical content versus what you're expecting to hear from a kids chorus. <laughs> I think this is the first time in the album where you kind of get a feel for for everything the album's gonna be you've got your strings you've got your choir you've got some electronic noises guitar all that good stuff um i personally am not a huge fan of the song i appreciate it for what it's trying to do uh i don't feel like the choir part's necessary here though i feel like uh damon could sing the choir part and nothing would really be lost um and that's not the case for other songs yeah or noodle for that matter um later on the album with say don't get lost in heaven or demon days that's when like the choir is really effective and i can't really picture anyone else singing in that part in this song it, the kid choir doesn't really do that much for me and honestly same with the the rap verse here um kind of forgettable for me um which is ironic this is one of their more well-known songs this is one of their singles it's the first um, it's the first rap verse of the of the album yeah i mean it has to it has to come up somewhere and so when this rap part comes in, we're introduced to Booty Brown, is the guy's name. He's one of the rappers from the far side. So the far side falls into the same genre of hip hop as like um a tribe called quest or uh the far side or jurassic uh five where it's like it's it's kind of old school hip-hop with the simpler beats and then each person takes a turn so it's the more jazz inspired hip-hop where you'll get a lot more of the instrumentation so 
as a result, this also ends up being a lot more political because it is people more in the jazz scene, more in the thinker free movement scene. And Booty Brown definitely falls into that category, despite his terrible name of Booty Brown. <sighs> Turns out he's actually a pretty, like, you know, more sophisticated rapper for the far side. Uh, and like you said, huh. his verse does seem a lot more forgettable. And I feel like that the rap artists we see in the later tracks do a lot better job, even though their verses are more nonsensical. They still do a better job of kind of setting a tone. Although I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm just reading them right now. And they, it seems, I mean, I, it's, it makes it even more relevant or more apparent that this song is about uh, the war in Iraq. There's lyrics like orders given to me is strike and I'm thunder with lightning fast reflexes on constant alert from the constant hurt that seems limitless with no dropping pressure. It's like, I mean, people in this war are being subjected to constant, constant pain and they have to be on constant alert. And I'm the reason why you fill up your Azuzu. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, like if that's not a if that's not a call to the pressure to get oil, I don't know what is. But anyway, it, it's another one of those verses that you can like that you can either take or leave. Um, you can take it for how it sounds as a rap verse. Um, so, consider just real quick. Uh, yeah, the lyric according to this website is, "I'm the reason why you flipped your Susa." So I think mine's probably more accurate. Yes. Flip your Sousa sounds. Flip your Sousa, yeah. Like a Sousaphone. You flipped your marching band. Yeah, exactly. I'm the reason why you flipped your Sousaphone. Oh my god. I feel like we need to change... It's all making sense now. We need to change this section to what does the internet have to say. Yeah, right. Because... It's a new podcast. We can just compare... Yeah, perfect. And, And... Like you said, he gets so on the nose with this verse, which is very uncharacteristic of the gorillas. Like, we're supposed to be in a completely different universe, and yet he's saying the war is over, so said the speaker with the flight suit on, which is literally a direct reference to George Bush giving the mission accomplished speech wearing a, on the USS Abraham Lincoln wearing a flight suit. Like, this is no longer in the gorillas universe. This is very much like a direct reference to... Yeah. yeah so kind of pulls i think it it's the it's it breaks the breaks the oh god fourth wall hold on yes the fourth wall that's what i was looking for <laughs> but okay i'm gonna just, i'm just gonna start that over even though, <laughs> even though we're all shitting on the song it is a good song though and i do like yeah. the funky funky bass where it's like do 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 and like the instrumentation is great and it's catchy it's definitely not my favorite uh but it's not a bad song. Yeah, no, I, no, a, I, I do like this song. It's, it's about halfway song. up there. But yeah, it's, compared to the next song, would, Feel Good Inc., it is that's, so boring. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking, like the juxtaposition between the two. Um, I think that's kind of why the song suffers for me. Um, yeah. Because they're kind of um, similar in the way it, it's structured, and I just feel like Feel Good Inc. does it better in every possible nails way. nails it. Yeah. Um, before we start feel good, and can I pee real fast? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'll do it too. I'll turn yeah, I'm gonna do this. Everybody, too. everybody, stand up and take a little break. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat some chips too. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> Just a These are not my pants. These are not my pants. 
are not my pants. Bobby. Bobby. Are we already? It's all we do is dance. Cause all we do is dance. Good stuff. Hey, welcome back. You got us. So we were we're moving on to Feel Good Ink track number six, which is probably the single off of this album. Every I mean, I feel like everybody's heard Feel Good Ink. Before we start discussing, I need you guys to do your best impression of the intro laugh for Feel Good Ink. Okay. Okay, I'll take a go um, at it. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's yeah, that's solid. That's, that was really good. Oh god, you're a hard act to follow. I should have gone first. <laughs> um Oh man, hold on, let me listen to it again. I mean it's like You've listened to this album. I never laugh. Hundreds of I, times. This is bringing up another another problem in my life is that I don't I don't laugh maniacally enough. That is a problem. It it really <laughs> right? gets some stress out. Like it, if this isn't something that I do normally, I feel like it's an issue. Okay. Um. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's as good as it gets. Right, nailed it. As good as it gets, folks. All right, Seamus, let's hear it. Oh God. I think Clark had the best. Clark definitely has the best. Thanks, guys. Uh, so this laugh comes right after Dirty Harry, where we have this children's choir singing. It's this upbeat kind of thing with the kids singing, and it's a happy thing. And then we just get this descent into madness with this evil, evil laugh. And then uh, Noodle saying, feel good. And so begins what I have written down as uh, the bohemian rhapsody of the gorillas <laughs> like this is their song that they cover so many genres cover so much ground and really is is impossible mm-hmm. to define this is their bohemian rhapsody this is where everything that the gorillas represents comes together in a tidy little package that makes other songs look embarrassing it's certainly their most popular single that they've they've ever had um it's if you were to you know, people are like, well, what do the gorillas sing? This would probably be the number one song you tell mm-hmm. me, you know, Feel Good Ink, and, and then do whatever your interpretation of Feel Good Ink is. It reaches across so many genres. So I work I work at a brewery here in Missoula, um, and every Thursday night we'll do different bands. Uh, and we had a, a folky band in the other night, and they covered Feel Good hmm. Ink. Um, so this isn't something that, like, appeals only to hip-hop heads or, you know, electronic guys. Um, it's kind of a song that that everyone can enjoy um but i think it's i it's one of my yeah, favorites on the album sure. um it's yeah just really well balanced in terms of 
just the lyrics, the music, uh, the balance between Damon and uh, Del the, hum- the Funky Homo Sapien, uh, his rap part. Uh, it's just a great song. Well, I have it written down as a song about being enslaved by capitalism. And, Whoa, all right. Uh, pretty much whatever the worldwide equivalent of the American dream is, where <clears throat> we're all working towards making more money so that we can have a nicer house, which costs us more money, so we need to go get a different job that makes more money so we can have a nicer house. And it just kind of piles up into this this thing that started off as a pure dream of just having a good living and an honest living just turns into this constant need to upgrade and to be fresh and shiny and new mm-hmm. and how that can be kind of an all-consuming yeah. thought. So in my mind, this is like a big criticism of um, not capitalism, but consumerism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a, a criticism of, I, I guess, feel-good ink kind of makes sense in that in that. Uh situation because it's you're buying into this this corporation of feeling good um regardless of the cost of it so but it's it's so the song is so indirect about about that criticism that it's it's easy to take it without any sort of message at all i mean it's (laughs) it's listenable on its own with or without the lyrics so yeah um one quick aside, Del the Funky Homo Sapien is on Clint Eastwood, which I'm remembering oh, now. Yes. Fear is getting me. Um, uh, gotcha. That said, this is a song that I don't get any deeper meaning from, and that's completely okay. Like, I love this song. I don't need to get a deeper meaning from it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I I'm on your I'm I'm in your camp on this one. I think I've never really interpreted the lyrics at all, to be honest. <laughs> I think there's definitely a deeper meaning to it. I, I mean, I'm not going to read too far into it because they don't even give us the lyrics. So that's, you know, how far can we read into it? But he, there is the, I, I think if anything, the message is in the contrast between uh, the visions of the windmills turning and it's saying love forever, love is free. Let's turn forever. You and me is everybody in. Windmill, windmill for the Compared to De La Soul's verse where he's like laughing gasping no it's just such a stark difference even though de la soul's verse is pretty much meaningless he's saying what does line them up like ass cracks mean uh lining up like lining up people to shoot them like <laughs> in, okay well i would <laughs> like uh, yeah. they say in the holocaust they like lined up the jews so they could shoot them all with one bullet like and like ass money. cracks yeah yeah so i'm not saying that it's well delivered but i think there is definitely a message there and uh also so seamus mentioned that there's 
you know, someone did a folk cover at the at the bar that he's at. But there's also a few other covers that I think you guys would love. Uh, like there's a metal cover by Leo Moracchioli. You can find the link in the show notes, uh, secretweaponproductions.com slash echo slash three. There's also an acoustic cover by Daniela Andrade. She also does an amazing Shakira cover. I'll link that too. And then lastly, we have a looping cover by Josie Charlwood, who is this beautiful redheaded gal that does like a loop pedal and she'll link in like one guitar melody, a piano melody, and kind of like a beatboxing rhythm thing. So if you guys want to check out a cover, those are amazing covers. And I feel like they kind of add a different element to the song. Are you guys... Sorry, I'm just curious. Are you guys more a fan of the the rap in this song, or do you like uh, Damon singing oh, better? Hold up, hold up, hold up, don't like say it. anything. On three, okay. on three, we all say our favorite favorite part, whether it's it's okay. De La Soul or Damon. De La Soul or Damon, and uh, three, two, one, Damon. De La Soul. Damon. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's really good, guys. It's really good. The the chorus is like the boring part. The chorus is just like no, it's, foreplay for the I will, verse. Oh Clark, fight me in real life. Fight the you. chorus is fucking awesome. I will fight you right now. Well, let's all agree that at least the next track, El Manana, is a drastic, drastic change. A letdown. A letdown. Yeah. Yes. Wow. It is, it is a bit of a letdown. It, it just kind of so like, this is it, where it the... kills the vibe that the, that the album has going for it right after a feel getting so this is where the album starts to drag a bit for me i'm not saying i don't like el manana and i i don't like um every planet we reach oh, is dead november yeah, has come. yeah they're they're good songs they're probably my least favorite songs on the album which is mildly ironic el manana is one of their more famous songs i believe it was released as a single uh, at yeah. some point uh the song itself just doesn't do it for me though uh, i'm curious to what you guys think about it No, I'm I'm kind of in the same same spot as you on this one. It's just, I mean, is it's it is Damon singing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it just doesn't express any of his vocal range that he has. Um, like we just heard on Feel Good Inc. You know, we heard that he's got quite. I mean, he's got some a really nice voice when he wants to, but this just kind of. It's almost like a spoken word almost. Um, yeah, but just because I like the really fact that it's tone. stripped down. Because Clark, I will still fight you. <laughs> I I don't know, guys. I I, th- I like the fact that it's acoustic guitar. I feel like if you, because all of this stuff has been taken away, you can kind of hear more of the uh, subtleties to it. Like if you listen to the drum beat, the drum beat's actually really compelling. Like, it sounds like a drum and bass style beat, but just slowed down significantly. But it still kind of has that cadence about it that you don't mm-hmm. usually hear in an alternative song. It's it's much more akin to an electronic beat, but he uses it here with an acoustic guitar. So I think, yeah, it's stripped down. It's certainly boring. 
but what he does within those constrictions is really interesting. Yeah, I, that's true. That the drum beat is it, it's the most impressive part of this song, I think, um, because of its complexity. Um, because the the guitar and the vocals are fairly simple. Um, there there are a lot of layers too, which I like. I like that he's kind of lined up a bunch of, uh, you know, I think he's he's layered the song very well as far as the different instrumentation. But yeah, the drum beat for sure to me is the one that stands out the most. This song is actually listed on Wikipedia as a trip hop song, so it is really? kind of that more yeah. So it's more of that instrumental hip hop, which is weird because again, acoustic guitar, kind of a real funky weird. I, I can't I say, say I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, no, this sounds nothing like yeah, trip hop to me. Um, like we were talking earlier about how Gorillaz is a, a super huge visual band. Uh, the music video for this song is pretty fantastic. Um, worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Noodle, who is one of the band members, is on a island with a flying windmill. A couple helicopters coming and attack it. it. Sounds ridiculous, but the animation is the style is very cool. Yeah. Um, kind of mixes 3D with uh, 2D. Not the uh, band worth, member. Worth a check out for yeah. sure. Yes, not the yeah. band member. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely check out the music video. And I do like his singing, but it is, it's just super mellow. It's a huge change of pace. And that continues into the next track, uh, Every Planet We Reach is Dead, song number eight. I think the bass line, like you say, crunchy, crunchy bass. Yeah, very one, crunchy bass. Right away from the beginning. This is more captivating to me than El Manana. Yeah, and I like a lot what he does with the vocal harmonies. And I looked up what he had to say about... Uh, this is Damon. I looked up what Damon had to say about the album. And he said that he drew inspiration from the Beach Boys. When I first read that, I'm like, what do you mean the Beach Boys? There's no Beach Boys here. But then when the more I listen to this track specifically, the vocal harmonies have that same tight harmony, but with just like a little <laughs> bit of Damon, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of sorrow in this otherwise super cool vocal medley. So I think this is where we see the strongest Beach Boys uh, references musically. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that fits that fits here that's interesting though i've never i've not heard that before but now that i'm listening to it it does it does have that like it does have that sound to it of like three or four people harmonizing to just in the background yeah and it's not nearly as like happy as the beach boys but it definitely no. feels like i mean the beach boys weren't necessarily a happy band there was all sorts of problems in there and with the touring it was really stressful we have brian wilson who uh kind of like we talked about with the Deftones, Brian Wilson had a completely different idea as to where the music should go and how the feeling should be with the band. But he was so far into the act that like he couldn't express those. He couldn't really act upon those impulses because he had to be the sound of the Beach Boys. He he couldn't go solo yet, so he just had to keep doing these like super poppy songs, even though he was kind of a deeply sad person. Uh, 
And I feel like that is what's captured here. That part of the Beach Boys where it's like, nope, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's actually four people trying to kind of work together, even though they're coming from completely different places. So I like that. And that's found with like the haunting kind of wandering piano sound that's kind of meshed up with the chorus that you hear. Yeah. And that is complimentary of Ike Turner. Um, And Ike Turner is a fairly legendary musician. Um, He's got a couple Grammys, I believe. Um, Pretty accomplished blues artist, R&B, that kind of stuff. Um, And he really comes into his own, I think, at the end of this song with the piano song. Oh, yeah. Uh, And that's the most memorable part about this song for me. It's not the lyrics, not the beginning. Um, It's that piano solo at the end with the cymbals going on in the background. Yeah, the whole whole outro Um, of this song is just, just gold. So I'm hearing here... They've got the strings. Yeah, we have the strings. We have four, maybe five different piano melodies. Maybe he's just that good where it sounds like he's playing five pianos. But I hear like so much instrumentation going on here. I mean, you certainly have the drums and the cymbal um, reminiscent of the outro earlier uh, with the cymbal just kind of crashing with Kids with Guns. And then um, it all goes into this like beautiful, like you said, Ike Turner really takes this solo and it becomes this kind of like light jazzy piano with the strings cutting in behind him yeah that's i was gonna say it's like it's like a perfect jazz line on a piano yeah i absolutely love the instrumentation in this track and even though i do consider this song to be in the songs that drag category this outro is amazing yeah i i think it it really like it definitely makes this song without without this it would be it would be a pretty lackluster track, but the last two minutes, almost full two minutes of this song is just impressive. And it leads us into a song with a completely different vibe, completely different with November has come where we have hand claps, deep bass, uh, kind of trippy sound effects. And then of course, MF doom. Slow it down some, no split, clown bum, your gold hit sound dumb, hold it now, crown them, where you found them at, got them round town, could have drowned in it, would have floated, bloated, voted, sugar-coated, loaded, hip shooter, draw for the poor, free coffee at the banks. Once again, completely led by the bass line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the beginning of most of the songs on this album. Yeah, that seems this... to be a common trend, is introducing the vibe of the song with like what effects are on the bass pedal or how it's played. And this is sorry. Oh, this is one of the shorter songs on the the album. I think it's what under three minutes, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, real short. Um, kind of ironic that it probably has the most lyrics of any song on the album. It's true. They really squeeze a lot into it uh, for how long the song is. That said, the lyrics aren't particularly memorable for me. Um, the one thing that the only thing I can ever remember for this song. I mean, I can remember most of it, but. The one thing that sticks out is, can you dig it like a spigot? Yeah. Can you dig it like a spigot? My guess is yes, you can. Like, can I kick it wicked? Lick a shot if you have me and you know. They're not super, super in depth <laughs> lyrics by any means. You mentioned skunk meat. 
Uh-huh. Um, I think he said something about a, a billabong. Yeah, filled in, <laughs> not filled in thong <laughs> with billabong, something like that. This is where so, I just really wish I had the lyrics, because MF Doom <laughs> is known for just nonsense lyrics. And I say that in a good way. I, I like the guy. I like most of what his label puts out, but it's it's utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Which is fine. It's I. I mean, like you said, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing, and I think it his tone fits with the rest of what this song has going on, as far as kind of Damon harmonizing in the background and just the the slow basic drum beat and bass line. I think it all fits. It's still not it's still not an outstanding song on the album, but I think it works um, as it as it was constructed. No, if I were to think of Demon Days, I think November Has Come is going to be the last song I think of when I think about the album. It's just, yeah. it's there. And I think it would have been better off, it, it's the sort of thing where MF Doom had his collaboration with Danger Mouse. They already did that. They already did The Mouse and the Mask, but this just feels like it's mostly just those two doing another song with each other. I don't feel like it necessarily applies to the Gorillaz universe. And like, yes, it has Damon in it, but I think this would make way more sense on an MF Doom album than on a Gorillaz album. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And we see um, a completely different rapper's take on the next track, All Alone, uh, where we get Ruth's Manuva. Snatch piece of my wondering. This didn't fire like yonder in. Skin of my tooth like, skin of my hook like, fly my soup like. Where's the waitress? Can't take this, really can't face this. These ears and all these graces. It's my mistake, I make it. Shade up to the moon, now make it. Bounce, wiggle, bounce, wiggle. Shake it on them veins out. Chemical cut throats. Bound to blow the brain out. And this is, this, this song is where the album picks back up for the remainder of it for me anyway absolutely yeah, yeah. this is where it gets me back this is I, it loses me for a little bit this is where i just get hooked and get reeled back in real yeah. quick all alone is i think all alone is my personal favorite off the album and i get looped into it right away with just the do 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 It's, I, I just love it. No, that's great. And then you know, the one that... Honestly, it takes me until right around two minutes when Noodles part kicks in, and it just kind of gets this ethereal, heavenly sound um, with the keyboard. That's what I'm like, okay. Close your eyes and see Yeah, it's just the, it's the simple keyboard that kicks in right after the interlude. That just like the dent, 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 and it just changes octaves a couple times. But it it gives it a whole different level of what it sounds like. It sounds like it's really like building into something. 
Yeah, I think it's it's hard for me to pick between a favorite part as far as the rap verse and the the interlude. Um, as far as this song goes, on other songs it's easier for me to distinguish between the two as far as which I like better or not. But this one, I think they both carry their weight equally. Um, I like it. I like it. And like you said, this is where it starts to pick up. And all alone, I mean, all throughout the pre-show and even just through like our initial recording, I've just had just like all alone bouncing in my head around. And the various weird octaves and stuff for just saying all alone, like that's, that's one that, it's probably the most significant part of this song, just all alone. All alone. alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. I, I would never have the creativity to think of just throwing that in there and god bless yeah exactly yeah but no song does more with less though than the next track (laughs) oh god yes white light (laughs) i have had that stuck in my head for weeks This song has three lyrics in it. it has three words: white, light, and white. alcohol. Oh wait, no, and it's so yeah, good, okay, yeah, only three. No, yeah, that's, that's all there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 guitar is almost like a, it's almost like a punk riff. It just it's just a few power chords yeah, up and right? down the up and down the scale you know it's it's effective I, I like it a lot and i love that it sounds like he's like singing into a megaphone or something like his voice just sounds like he's completely blowing out everything and it's not distortion it's just like old school distortion where they would get it by over powering the amps mm. and just blowing it out so you would get this weird sound another yeah and that's i mean that's another punk rock element of this song but then but then it all of a sudden at, at one minute in it just kind of breaks down into this another weird acoustic interlude which is really nice um, and it fits really well but it immediately comes screaming right back in 30 seconds later to white light alcohol 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 so last time we talked about this song on the unfortunately the uh, the lost footage you guys both had had some interesting takes on the song in terms of the meaning, which kind of blew my mind since, like you said, there's only three lyrics for this song. Um, I, just, I was just wondering if you guys wanted to talk about that at all a little bit, because it fascinated me when I heard it, at the very least. Yeah, I think I think Clark's, uh, if I remember right, Clark's <laughs> interpretation was the most interesting, because I honestly can't remember my own. Yeah, so to continue the trend of um, consumerism and uh just always chasing after something i think the song very much talks about uh alcoholism and i know you know that's one of the three words so of course that's what it's about but really white light when you think about what it is to chase an addiction what it is to look for something better that makes you feel a certain type of way you kind of think of the light at the end of the tunnel 
right? So, like, bear with me. What if that, like, white light is the muse that he's chasing with um, trying to attain a white light, a sense of purity, a sense of getting that initial first high that is irreparable? Yep. You can't, <laughs> you can't get to it again, but you got there once. And I feel like this song is about chasing that feeling of the pure high, the pure whatever it is you're chasing after. And that's why the lyrics are so driven, so repetitive, because it is all the 2D is focusing on. Yeah, I, 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 that totally, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I feel it's more like, I feel it's simpler than that. Um, but I mean, that's just, just my interpretation, but I feel like white, white, lights... I mean, yeah, I'm going <laughs> off of three words here. I, <laughs> I'm working with three words. Don't expect much. Um, I feel like white lights almost just like just slang for moonshine or something. And it's hey. just a, it's just a ridiculous, weird, punky party song. And it's funny you say that because, you know, if you look at uh, like Genius.com and the references to this song, they're saying that it samples or that it shares the same themes as a song called White Lightning by George Jones. I'll link to it. You can decide for yourself. Uh, I don't think so. That song is about moonshine, uh, the song White Lightning. It's about, um, yeah, making moonshine in the time of... uh, back when you couldn't have booze can't think of the word because i've been drinking booze <laughs> there we go <laughs> if we're talking about alcohol <laughs> oh boy oh boy first and foremost i feel like i feel like people should almost watch the live version of this first everyone yeah, stop what they're doing stop google they're doing. gorillas live dare manchester opera House. click on the link in the show notes yeah, the links in the show notes too yeah and <laughs> and uh, you'll be you will see. You'll be taken on a wild, alcohol-infused ride through our next song, "Dare," which has a few funny backstories behind it. Um, so, first funny backstory is that the initial, so the the main lyrics in this song are, "It's dare." It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's, it's dare. dare. This song was supposed to be "It's There," like T H E R E, but uh-huh. the <laughs> what's the guy's name again? Sean Ryder. <laughs> but Sean Ryder, good. Once he got in the studio, could not pronounce "there," um, so they asked him to say. It. They were like, "Okay, okay, Sean, just it's there, it's there, say it." And he would get up to sing, and he'd say, "It's there." It's there. And so they just gave up and called the song Dare, um, which I think is I think is just amazing. That's um, oh, too but funny. But this whole, it'll be so much, it, it'll mean so much more to you if you watch the live performance of Dare um, that we link in the show notes because Sean Ryder has had probably, probably between one to two gallons of alcohol at the time that he <laughs> that he's on stage and really cannot get any of the timing down or anything it's just it's great just check it out and it's it's a blast but aside from so, that what do we think about the song well a quick quick aside um so in terms of the why it's called 
dare, Sean Ryder himself has a little bit of a different take on exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> he said he was. In I was. The I was obviously in the studio, so I know. I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Riley knows, obviously. <laughs> Sean's probably wrong, but. So he said he's in the studio, um, and he just threw on some headphones, and Damon put a track on, and while the track was getting louder, he said, all right, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up, and then when it got as loud as he wanted to hear it, he said, okay, it's there, and he said, I said that as in, like, text-speak language, I will see you there. Um, he then <laughs> just went ahead and freestyled something he said and called it a right load of gibberish bullocks, um, and ended it with, mm. I never did no harm. And then he was done with the song, and Darren came back and said, all right, that's great. Will you do the It's Coming Up bit, but just do it a little bit faster? So I did it, and that was it, and that was the whole song. Um, huh. As to whether or not how accurate that is, uh, if you watch the live version, I, <laughs> I don't know how much I <laughs> trust Sean Ryder and his memory. Um, it very well could be. Um, and there's there's been other stories. I know in Sweepstakes and Plastic Beach, uh, I believe it's most deaf. Um, most deaf. He does, does it, it all, all in one, one take, which is insane to me. Um, that song, if you get a chance, take a listen to that song. It's crazy that he does it in one take. So really? it doesn't surprise I didn't me know that, that Sean Ryder might have done it in one take there too, and then just kind of fiddled with it. It's coming up a bit. Um, so it's not unprecedented, I guess, to say that. Yeah. Uh, as, as to the song itself, it's fantastic. It's, it's yeah, a great and... song. And this is the first time that Noodle really gets to show her character and where she falls into the universe. Because in the music videos, she's depicted as someone who is mostly just running away from being attacked, but she's more of like a minor character. But in this song, um, Noodle is presented as this more optimistic character. Like, she is the positive force, whereas Murdoch is a super grumpy guy. 2D is all just, like, lost in his feelings. But we have Noodle here saying, like, uh, jump with the moon and move it back and forth and feel like you were there yourself work it out like and maybe this is just my bias being put on it but this seems like a happy song this seems like her saying like guys we've got this yeah and uh, well i think the instrumentation kind of backs up your interpretation because nothing about this song feels eerie or or downtrodden at all it's it feels like it's supposed to be a positive song it's kind of dancey it's it's uh yeah i think i think your interpretation of the lyrics kind of matches what the instrumentation is doing here yeah and even the music video itself it's essentially 2d going to like her closet where she has sean Ryder's head just kind of <laughs> yeah. ripped up like yeah it's like, a very like strange some sort of NES video yeah. game yeah and and she has him hooked up and she just like turns him on like a jukebox and just like dances the shit out of this song according to damon well i'm assuming he wrote the he wrote the biographies on these characters but according to whoever did she is a 10 year old japanese guitar virtuosa and martial arts master sounds about right so, uh, what's kind of interesting to me is you guys both get these positive vibes from this song, and part of that is the music video where she's dancing around and all that good stuff. I get, I guess, I don't get a positive vibe from this song. I get kind of a depressing vibe. Is it is like, it depressing because of, Sean Ryder's just drunk as fuck throughout the... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that this might be tainted by the live <laughs> view performance, but 
it seems downbeat as opposed to like an upbeat song. Really? Like, listening to oh, say the part at fifty-four. I I just I don't I don't know, man. Um, it, that's not yeah. saying it's not a good song. Um, the thing that makes it the thing that makes it ominous and and maybe possibly depressing is the the weird key keyboard sounds in the background they just they, yeah. they have kind of a like Absolutely. a minor key going on and it kind of is a little off-putting as far as the whole positive vibe that i think the rest of this song has so yeah i think i mean i think they could they could almost they could definitely be intending this song to be unsettling but I think overwhelm for me overwhelmingly it's one of their more positive ones. I've got to yeah, say especially. this song is one of my favorite ones to sing by myself in the car. Oh yeah. Especially Noodles Park. Oh, yeah. It's just super <laughs> satisfying yeah. to You've got to take it on you. Just to like hit oh, all those yeah. notes. And just <laughs> just like oh my god, that's perfect, just like you did. The falsetto the falsetto is strong in you. And I guess in terms of in terms of this being a positive or a negative song, I I still lean on the side of positive, but it's certainly a weird trend. Like it's a weird transition from this song into the next track, "Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head." So I where... want I, this. This is what I want to ask you guys: "Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head," "Don't Get Lost in Heaven," "Demonades" are all meant to be listen to as a whole yeah. obviously they flow into each oh, other yeah, yeah, their lyrics definitely. refer to each other i feel like there is a part of these songs and i think you guys probably disagree what do you think like if you well, I dis- yeah do you think i disagree i think, think i think there fits but i don't think <laughs> if you strung all four songs together i think it would fit less than if you just did the the last three yeah, but I think I that Dare is definitely put White Light is definitely not a part of no, the yeah, outro no, I, of this yeah, album. Absolutely. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that I think that Fire Coming Out of Monkey's Head, Don't Get Lost in Heaven, and Demon Days are basically one track. But Dare definitely plays into it. Yeah, I think it it's an interesting transition. But like Riley said, these three songs are very much their own thing with their own vibe. And I feel like this is where Damon is like all right, you've heard all of these songs that kind of hop around. Now let's really, really, really get to the meat of it. Yes. So Fire Coming Out of Monkey said, Don't Get Lost in Heaven and Demon Days are what elevate this album from a great album to a legendary album for me. Um, These three songs are honestly what make this album. Um, So... you have to listen to these three songs as a whole, just like you should listen to this album. Oh, as a whole. absolutely! But you can't, you can't jump into say, eh, I don't really want to listen to Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head today. I want to listen to Demon Days. It's it's not possible. These three songs should be considered the same song. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrically, they refer to each other. Uh, in terms of music, they blend into each other. Um, it it should be like I said taken as a whole so in this song this is this is spoken word and this isn't damon alburn this isn't you know uh jamie hewlett this is the legendary actor dennis hopper uh, dennis hopper <laughs> once upon a time at the foot of a great mountain 
was a town where the people known as happy folk lived. Their very existence a mystery to the rest of the world, obscured as it was by great clouds. Here they played out their peaceful lives, innocent of the litany of excess and violence that was growing in the world below. To live in harmony with the spirit of the mountain called Monkey was enough. Then one day, strange folk arrived in the town. They came in camouflage, hidden behind dark glasses, but no one noticed them. They only saw shadows. You see, without the truth of the eyes, the happy folk were blind. As you may know as the villain from Speed, the Sandra Bullock vehicle with Keanu Reeves, where if they drive a bus below 60 miles per hour, it'll explode. Uh, it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Um, but Dennis Hopper is actually a really good actor, and I don't know how they got him along to to do this, but it's they... it's phenomenal. And if you have a chance, t- take a look at the live version, because they actually get him along on tour um, to come out for this song to speak the lyrics. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2011, oh, I, I believe. Um, he, yeah, uh, he is a de- deceased, which is a shame. Um, if you look at the live version, he's having a lot of fun with it. Um, everyone loves seeing him out there, and he does a great job. I almost like the, I almost like the live version better than the uh, studio version. The studio version is a lot calmer than the live version. Hmm. Um, the lyrics themselves are very straightforward. I feel like there's not a lot of margin. Um, for disagreement as to what it means. Yeah. Uh, basically, these douchebags show up to this peaceful society, see that they have this resource they want, start killing everyone um, to get this resource, and then their greed kind of dooms them. Yeah. Uh, and you can obviously see that as an allegory for oil, um, as this was in the midst of their Iraq war, uh, whether or not you agree if that was over oil or whatever. Um, Anyways, I'm curious as to if you two have the same love for this this song that I oh, do. Absolute, I absolutely, absolutely. I like. There's there's been no other spoken word song in any music that I've listened to that's really hit me like this one has. And it just like, uh, just the the feeling of like the harmonization in the background too that I assume Damon is doing, um, just like the humming along behind Dennis Hopper's voice is it's so ominous and weird and. It's just a good, I mean, it's a good story. Like, he's he's got a good storytelling voice. So it's almost, I mean, it, it completely... It's hypnotic. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely hypnotic. It separates you from the rest of this album and takes you to uh, another place, which I think is, like, it's a great way to introduce the outro of your album. And I think my favorite part of the song is when that bass goes away and we get Damon Auburn as 2D, <clears throat> just on his acoustic guitar, singing this line of falling out of aeroplanes hiding in holes waiting for the sunset to come people going home jump out from behind them and shoot them in the head now everybody dancing the dance of the dead the dance of the dead the dance of the dead and it's such a sharp contrast to this spoken word where this whole time it's been the funky bass line, the typical gorillas thing that usually they'd have someone rapping over it, but now we have Dennis Hopper speaking over it. So I feel like this cut over to 2D's little solo bridge thing, it fits so well here. And it kind of gives me chills on the back of my spine every time in such a good way. I 
I don't know if I can think of another song that paints such a vivid picture for me that this song does. And that might just be because you could read it on its own without the backing music and read basically a story with it because it is a story. Uh, But just the images it paints in my head is kind of fantastic. Absolutely. Images painted in your head. So I've watched a lot of Gorilla's music videos, but I don't think I've watched a music video for this track, which is weird because I have like vivid, vivid visuals in my mind of what this looks like and and what this volcano is, um, the fire coming out of the monkey's is, head. I it, am I the am I the only one that that imagines whatever town or whatever area this is to look like Whoville from The Grinch? <laughs> No, yeah. absolutely not. Like I think <laughs> Very that's much the, so. the monkey's <laughs> like, yeah. the monkey's head is where the Grinch lives, and Whoville is is what gets destroyed. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, that's exactly that's like exactly how I picture it in my head. <laughs> yeah, especially because they're called the Happy Folk, and, you know, and they just kind of live in this yeah. world where they, yeah. there's no greed, there's no nothing, you know. It's this little utopia. I, I mean, if you guys haven't seen the live version of it like i give it a watch because it does have those visuals and yeah like the happy folk are what you picture them just like these you know round happy smiley people uh the shadowy folk are these these skinny black shadows with giant red eyes and sharp pointy teeth it's man it's everything you think of and they just did such a good job of capturing it though if i do take issue with one thing on this song it is the last time that 2d comes in for his guitar verse, this is the kind of the end of the song where he says, "Oh, oh little town in USA, your time has come to see." Time's come to see. nothing you believe you And he's saying, "Oh, little town in the USA," where he's kind of pulling us out of the universe with these lyrics saying like nope this isn't whoville we're talking about a little town in the usa and i kind of take mm-hmm. issue with that i i kind of like that i kind of like that he's if we've been in some sort of distracted uh fantasy world for the rest of the album he's he's finally bringing it home here that like oh hey this is Look at the parallels between all the things that have gone wrong in the world of the gorillas and our own world, and hey, maybe we should do something. Hmm. Okay, I'll take it. I I don't think it's I don't think it's a I mean it's definitely not an unintentional break of the fantasy world, but I think it's very effective that we could have been listening to songs about somewhere that's completely unrelated to us, but all of a sudden it it's very real. Can I just say, this is the only time that I've ever heard or seen the word castrophony Ooh. in print. Yeah. And I love that word. I absolutely love that word. Uh, and it, I mean, this is at the very end of the song when it talks about how there came a sound distant at first and yeah. it grew into castrophony <laughs> so immense it could be heard far away in space. Like It's it, just, it's great. It, it matches the storytelling yeah. ability of Dennis Hopper in this song. And it, the whole song does transition into, I guess, a more positive note, even though essentially fire coming out of the monkey's head. At the end, everybody dies. <laughs> like, yes. Says the mountain yeah. called Monkey had spoken. There was only fire and then nothing. 
and then we are transcended yeah, there were no screams into... there was no time yeah the innocents die and the people who caused it die basically yeah and it transitions into the shortest track where they really bring the choir to bear along with the the strings more so in demon souls but this is where the the choir comes in to, mm-hmm. in the forefront where you say okay this is why the choir has been on the album the whole time this is the song they are absolutely made for This, they sing the the chorus, I suppose. Um, Damon's got a few of the. I, Damon's got the initial part of the song, and then the chorus is "Don't get lost in heaven." Uh, they got locks on the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone other than a children's choir, it would it it just wouldn't be as powerful in this song. I, I guess it could be any choir for that matter, but it's just when you think of you know heaven, you think of. And music, you think of, you know, these angelic choirs. Um, and I think that's, it's perfect that they have that in this song. Yeah, and they brought in the big brass. They brought in the London Community Gospel Choir as well. So, like, we have a lot of dynamics here. We have the full-bodied choir with the basses and the sopranos. And then we also have a bit of the children coming in for this innocence vibe. And the whole thing you end up with is, is this otherworldly experience where we just we just yeah. watched this entire world get destroyed by greed and now it's like it's such a different change of pace yeah and that's what makes um that's what makes this these last three songs really feel like one because this is absolutely uh this is absolutely what happens after the fire comes out of the monkey's head don't get lost in heaven is absolutely wherever our our main character that's traveling through this world is after after the mountain called monkey has spoken He's... i mean they even reference that in like the very initial lyrics he said you know i got yeah. off a plane to the countryside i drove around there's crack on the corner and someone dead and fire coming out of the monkey's head like very direct reference obviously to the last song Yeah. yeah, but he's also talking about how the countryside where like and, and he's driving to the mountain with the ground. And so it's like supposedly he's going off to this place that should be serene. And he's saying there's crack being sold on the corner and someone's dead. He's saying, like, I'm going to the mountains and it has become a ghetto. It has become what the ugliest part of the city has now spread to the mountain. So he's using these really cool visuals to tell this story of like, nope, nope, nope. It's all dead. <laughs> So, yeah, just, just in case you thought this was optimistic, no, everything's actually dead. Yeah. So my take on this song is it, it's about addiction. What are what do you guys think it's about? Whoa, you can't just drop that without yeah, any explanation. That a little bit. What do you mean? Uh, so don't get lost in heaven. Don't go over the. So heaven's like the high you get. Don't go over the edge. Just seeking that next high. And if you go over that, you're gonna make a big mistake. So that's why I think of it. And I probably like the fact that, you know, crack on the corner, that kind of stuff. It brings yeah, me yeah. to mind that this might be about addiction. Uh, anyway, that's why I think, like, if you go over the edge, you know, you're you're falling to that addiction 
because you're searching for that next high, you know, um, and you're making a huge mistake. I think verse two and the chorus actually really reinforce that. I've never thought about that, but verse two says, "I just took a line, but it wasn't with you." Like <laughs> he's he's not standing in a line; he's taking lines. I actually I agree with that. I think that it kind of like my way reading into three words of white lights. I think this is kind of the same vein where he's chasing something pure, but the chorus is saying, hmm. don't chase something pure. Don't get lost in heaven. They got locks on the gates. Like you, you, you think you'll get so, there, but nope, you won't. Once you actually try to get up that high, you won't be able to get in. Huh? So I think I'm going to be the one, the one that disagrees in this yeah, situation. Really? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's my my atheism wanting to talk, but um, to me, it's like I, there are a lot of drug references in this song, which which definitely lean it towards what you guys are thinking. But I think I think the whole theme of "Don't get lost in heaven," they've got locks on the gates. Is like don't don't commit your whole life here to planning on making it to heaven because there's locks on the gates. You're not gonna get in. It's not there. I mean, oh. just commit to other things don't make a big mistake about wasting your whole life trying to guarantee your spot in heaven because there's locks on the gates they're not letting anybody else in and and even after i mean after you live through something terrible like what happened in fire coming out of a monkey's head regardless of what kind of person you were you're locked out because either it's not there or um or there's there's some other I, I don't know I don't know what he's getting at as far as the the state of heaven well, but um, to I have a very I have an atheistic um, approach to what these lyrics mean but the the heavy drug references really do kind of lean it towards your guys' interpretation. No, so. but allow me to further your interpretation that I completely disagree with. So <laughs> <laughs> you could you would you smug little <laughs> son of a bitch. So one could argue that the message of fire coming out of, of um, a monkey's head is just a, as much about um, religious extremism, extremism, whoa, coming in. Extremism. <laughs> extremism. And the darker parts of a culture where there are people exploiting the ignorance of this entire village. And it's people that, oh, yeah, this whole set of beliefs, this is life, whatever. And then you have people coming and exploiting that and taking away from it. So it's like this could just as much be about terrorism and the war in Iraq where a few spoiled apples ruin the bunch, where it's like, nope, the few people who took this to the nth and looked at this religion and said, how can we take this religion and use it to further our greed, to further our message, and to strike fear into the hearts of our enemies? How can we do that? And I, I feel like you could say that that's what uh, Fire Coming Out of Monkey's Head is approaching, is radical terrorism. And maybe this song would just be... Uh, pretty much a slap in the face to the terrorists saying like, okay, you did these things in the name of your religion, but <laughs> it did nothing for you. You are not getting in. You did not do what you needed to do to get into heaven. You were just furthering your own cause. Holy shit. Yeah. I, that was, wow. That was in depth. I, Clark, Clark and I set a ground rule, I think a couple of weeks ago that none of our, none of our sections would be longer than the song itself uh, <laughs> but i think this is the this is the first song that merits that uh, it absolutely does because if ever a song there's so much so much to interpret here 
Um, but I think regardless, regardless of whether it's about addiction or, or religion in general or any of whatever, whatever you take from it, it's a great view on being cautious and, and not over committing to something that, uh, that you might, you know, that might end up poorly for you. Um, much like it ends up for the strange folk in fire coming out of a monkey's mm-hmm. head, um, which another one of the parallels. I mean, these—that's what makes me think that these were written for to all be the same song. Um, and then it let's. I think personally, I think that the outro of "Don't Get Lost in Heaven" as it leads into "Demon Days" is one of the best transitions between songs i i'm a huge fan of like of really nicely timed and crafted transitions um in between songs and i think that don't get lost in heaven into demon days is one of the best because it's just kind of the nice choral sound that just immediately switches over into demon days throughout Demon Days. Um, so the the initial is focused heavily on these strings. Uh, and then Damon comes in with this... Uh, this... Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just oh, to kind damn. of set the mood. Um, and he keeps that, that same falsetto tone when he sings his, his verses. Um, and that then transitions into a full choir part. Um, and this is why I love this song. This is, and the word epic, uh, is what comes to mind. Um, it's, oh God, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs that's ever been recorded, I think. Um, oh yeah. I, and that's not hyperbole. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful song. Um, and within the realm of the gorillas characters, the choir is meant to represent just noodle like this is pretty much noodles transcendence into like this more like completely different being it doesn't it seems like she's no longer uh just like a 10 year old japanese girl rocking out it's like no she's like become this other heavenly being kind of how it's depicted where it's like the whole choir is just noodle and that's strange to me but it works yeah and it's maybe because i'm an an emo at heart but these are the lyrics that really speak to me out of any song in this album 
Um, some of That's the quote like, of the night. Yeah, the quote it, of the night is in these demon saying, days. Maybe I'm an emo at heart. <laughs> I mean, in these demon days, it's so cold inside, so hard for a good soul to survive. You can't trust the air you breathe. Mother Earth wants us all to leave. Like, that is super powerful for me. That's, like, you numb yourselves oh, with yeah. drugs and TV, pick yourself up. It's a brand new day. Turn yourself around. Um, wow. Those more I than think, I think there's there's no other way to interpret that, and I think it's I think it is it is the perfect outro to this album because it's been so it's been so down on us for being who we are, and then it's it's coming around with this last song, Demon Days, which happens to be the title track, which I think is is just geniusly placed oh, very at the well end, placed. yeah, um, because geniusly is a word, um, and. <laughs> But the 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 lyrical content that Seamus was mentioning, I think it's it's ultimately the message of this whole album, um, is that is that despite everything that's happening, despite all this other bullshit that's happening, it's up to you to really kind of to to pull out of it and make it your own and and enjoy it yourself. Yeah, and it ends on such a positive note. Like, yeah, you can numb yourselves with drugs and TV, but hey, it's a brand new day like don't burn yourself, turn around, like look to the sun and it just ends with to the sun. And I think that's just like it's very positive like you can do this. Like you don't have to live this horrible life. Like it's up to you to make your life what you want it to. Yeah. And since we haven't since we haven't made a Nine Snails reference all episode, uh, oh god, sunspots! Um, this, record. this reminds me of sunspots. We lasted a really, really, really long time with that one. Incredibly long time. Uh, I was I was thinking this whole time. I'm like, we're gonna the go parallels between this and sunspots are it's just like it's wonderful. I'll link you guys to show spots. Check that out in the show notes. It's good stuff. It's not called show spots, Clark. It's called. Hey, sunspots. and I would disagree. I would disagree with you, Riley, in terms of lyrical content of Sunspots oh, and yeah, what lyrical, it means, but we'll, we'll, sun, we'll ignore sunspots that. Sunspots is, <laughs> uh, as, as Clark and I were talking about earlier, Sunspots is a good fucking song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's but, my, one of my favorites. But back to the lyrics of uh, Demon uh, yeah, Days. Yeah, sure. Yep. I, I, again, from a gorilla's character thing, we have Damon, 2D, who, again, is this brooding, moody character, and he's the one that delivers the, as Seamus put it, the, the emo lyrics of, in Demon Days, it's cold inside, you don't get nobody, people sigh, it's so bad, lasting for whatever. And then we get, again, again Noodle comes in with her optimism, with her saying, like, no, guys, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Even though she's the one getting chased down by Apache helicopters and stuff, she's the one with the optimism at the end. So it kind of ties in, even though in the Gorilla series of videos, Noodle actually gets killed, or at least, like, maimed to the point that she needs to be replaced by a robot. So She comes back in Melancholy Hill, I believe, but yes. Yeah, like the optimistic one is the one who really just kind of becomes the, I guess, the sacrificial lamb of gorillas, where it's like, oh, hope is dead. And then she's brought back, like you said, a melancholy hill of Plastic Beach, which is a great album. I just, I can't say enough about this song in terms of what it means to me on like a personal level. Um music is and as i'm sure it is with you guys very important to me this is one of those songs that if i'm down i can listen to and it won't it will turn my mood around um yeah no matter how shitty i feel oh absolutely and that's i think that's absolutely the point of it on this album is to take it takes 
it's it's impressive because it takes 14 previous tracks and just turns the whole message around but they're um, every single one of those tracks is crucial to this i feel like even yeah oh tracks absolutely like el manana or mm-hmm. you know uh <laughs> white light like they are all crucial to getting to this point in the album to building this point like this is where the album takes everything as a whole and just condenses it into the one perfect song and what's great is even though this is the last song and it takes all the elements of the previous songs and stuff it still transitions perfectly back into the first track like you could essentially if you had this album on repeat uh it just which i do currently yeah which you <laughs> which you always do when we record which is hilarious to me uh <laughs> it, it could feel just as much like it, it just sits right into the idea of an album where it's like nope it integrates and transitions smoothly into the next song which just so happens to be the first song and that just goes to show the level of detail that they go into musically where it's like not only does this transition perfectly from the last song but it transitions perfectly back into the first song where we can start of like start this whole thing over again yeah it's it's this is i mean it, if there if there is an opus of the gorillas i think the demon days is it for sure i think cuz a, because it's the title track of their best album, arguably their best album, but I, I think it's their I best. And it's their best album without it's Snoop Dogg, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, their best, it's their best track off of their best album. And I, I don't know, I think it, this just culminates everything you want about the gorillas with hidden positivity and it's got... It's catchy it's got all sorts of choral sounds and string sounds i think it's just it was masterfully crafted by damon to really show what what he's all about the intro string sounds are so the most beautiful sounds i've ever heard um oh yeah but getting to what you said clark in, in terms of kind of it's cyclical i think that's very well put i think intro is kind of you know nightfall and then demon days here this is the sun is starting to rise so the whole album as a whole is just kind of the course of a night i would say um yeah. and whether you want to say that's that's war that's addiction that's consumerism um or any combination of those things that's perfectly fine you can get whatever you want out of that i think as a whole it's meant just be you know in the course of you know from midnight to whenever the sun comes up um and uh, i think that's why i like this album the concept is fantastic so we all love talking about this album and especially these last few tracks it's just so nice to end uh on such great uplifting tracks and just not to feel like they just tacked on extra tracks like maybe what we saw with the last deftones album but instead this was done very intentionally and um yeah We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it, too. As I mentioned before, we have a comment section of Facebook. Into the Echo is our name. Uh, if you want, you can tweet uh, Riley at... What's your Twitter handle? Echopod. At Echopod. All right. And then, uh, so you can t- um, message at Echopod. You can also message me personally at Clark Hodges. Uh, Seamus, are you on Twitter? Uh, no, I have not. I have not made that jump, unfortunately. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But this has been really fun. Are there any uh, last notes or maybe some things that you uh, want to get in before we go? 
Yeah, uh, if you don't like Demon Days, then fuck you. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, feel free. And that's been the podcast. podcast. <laughs> but yeah, feel free to check out our show notes. We, I'm linking to just a crap load of live videos as much as I can. Um, hopefully, YouTube doesn't yank those anytime soon. Uh, but you can find those at secretweaponproductions.com slash echo slash three. Uh, be on the lookout. We're going to start doing shorter episodes just covering singles. And um, our buddy Seamus here, get used to that voice. You're going to start hearing him more. Uh, we want to start having more guests on the podcast, and if nobody answers the phone, we'll give Seamus a call. So get Perfect. used to this voice. And I think um, for our next our next full-length endeavor, Clark and I were discussing it, I think he might drag me into the world of Purity Ring for our next full-length album, yeah. which if if anybody out there listening has any tips for surviving that, <laughs> um, I would I would appreciate some advice. Um, because I'm not sure what I'm getting into. Yes. I never really know with Clark. So we're going to be listening to the album Purity Ring. Uh, the album is called Shrines by a band called Purity Ring. I believe it's two people. It's a beautiful, beautiful electronic pop album with a lot of soundscapes to it. Each each song kind of covers a different um, body part. So it's not a full concept album in that they're like, the knees are the greatest. It's nothing like that. It's It's very... <laughs> nothing it's just head shoulders knees and toes (laughs) repeated no it's not like that it's a beautiful beautiful instrumental soundscape it's great for a rainy day uh and i think it's going to be a completely different tonal shift from the gorillas but i still think in terms of just a beautiful well-formed album i think you guys are going to be taken away by it so definitely tune in for that episode and then we're going to do some shorter episodes uh covering a lot more upbeat stuff too i'm not going to name any specifics but just be on the lookout for it so Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I've been Clark. This is Riley. This is Seamus. Have a great night, everyone.